Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the game industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to get your free pass to our next digital event coming December 8th, 9th, and 10th, where you'll have more great sessions you can participate in for free and inexpensive passes to our industry-leading digital business-to-business meeting system. Also, make sure to donate to Extra Life. We've got a link down below in the description, or you can even join the Indie Game Business Extra Life team. That link is down in the description as well. Here we go, Indie Game Business. looking for a publisher for your game well we have something special just for you it's the most comprehensive listing of pc console and mobile publishers in the industry over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites you can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher list and you can get it for free check it out Well, look at that. What's up, everybody? Guess who I am? I don't even know who I am because I haven't been here for so damn long. Uh, my name is Indy. The gentleman right next to me is Mr. Jay Powell from Powell Group Consulting. And welcome to Indie Game Business. Today, we have Jonathan Troughton, the CEO of Frameplay. Once again, special super guest right here. And what are we talking about? How 2020 led to innovation and a chance to reset in game advertising. That should be interesting. So- well, I mean, I thought we were going to be talking about my amazing sweater that is sitting here glowing, but it yeah, doesn't we, we talk about that. that. <laughs> the uh, oh, wonderful! They're having a trouble streaming to LinkedIn. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting pictures and bunches. So, Indy, one dude, welcome back. We missed you. We're glad you're okay. You know, and you survived your vacation. Oh my god, the, uh... it, it wasn't a vacation <laughs> for sure. It was not a vacation. But I am glad you're back. Good to see you again. And yes. I'm excited for next week. Perfect timing, right? Well, yeah, excited is one word I have for it. The other one is stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, and all that kind of good stuff. But yes. So, yeah, next week is the Indie Game Business, what is now called our Sessions Series, Sessions Winter 2020. And we've got we've got like another 30 or some speakers lined up, plus meetings and uh, we've had a lot of big publishers sign on for meetings. Ubisoft's going to be there. Sony's going to be there. Uh, it's really, I am really, really excited, but I'm also, you know, also stressed and nervous and hoping everybody has a wonderful, wonderful event and it's productive. Um, but yeah, everybody go to indiegame.business and you can see the speaker list and the sessions that we've got and it's the beauty of it is if you're like me and you're quite possibly a little bit burned out on digital events and and speakers and sessions these are not the same speakers and sessions that you've seen at a lot of the other places i have really tried to get new stuff for us to learn from it's amazing um and one of those things it's like Jonathan is here with us today. Jonathan was a speaker at our last event. And so part of the reason he's here today is because I didn't want to have too many like doubled up 
you know, I never want everybody to go, oh, it's the same people that talked last time. But he's got really cool stuff to talk about and really good, you know, educational material here for us. So, uh, Jonathan, welcome back to Indie Game Business. Thanks, Jed. And um, if you're talking about the guys at Sony and uh, Ubisoft, both their teams are fantastic. We always have a lot of fun talking to them. So I, I'm sure it's going to be beneficial for everybody. But uh, yeah, like it's been a pretty crazy year. 2020 has been uh, very much a year of transformation in, in so many different ways. And if you start thinking about, uh, especially relative to our business, uh, as unfortunate as COVID was, it gave, I guess, the entire advertising industry and games a beat to pause and actually think like what's happening because especially at the start of the year there was it was just absolute chaos and not organized chaos it was literal chaos not, not the good kind of chaos <laughs> not the good kind no one knew what was going to happen it was this thing going to be uncontrollable and crazy everybody hit pause and uh from that 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 moment of pause it actually uh, I guess you could say in conjunction with changes in GDPR, CCPA, and what's coming in CPRA, um, it, it just gave everybody a minute to sort of think of like, how, how are we doing this uh, and how is it going to be done better? Uh, what are the things that need to be changed? And then it, for the entire games industry, not, not just us in advertising and games, but the entire games industry, all of a sudden was front and center. Uh, for everyone and not just in an advertising sense, but everybody is realizing that games were so embedded in every part and everyone's lives and that there's a lot more value there and it should be done right. And I think our message, and I think you recall and others definitely recall, we've always been the preachers of let's do this differently. Let's not just chuck the web assets into games. Let's just not have the same uh, mistakes that have been made in the past and it's taken a decade to rectify them. Let's not do that. Let's do this right from the beginning. And COVID actually gave us the chance and gave people a minute to stop and think, like, how are we going to do this right this time? So I guess that's something I, I wanted to discuss with you guys is what is doing it right? How, how should it be changed? Why are we doing it differently? Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of like where I want to sort of dig in here. I mean, fr from your perspective as well, I imagine you've seen a lot of change in the industry across uh, all the different developers. We've seen uh, a massive shift in the way that they're operating, uh, a massive shift in the way they're looking at generating revenue. Um, it'd be interesting to see what you've seen as well, Jay, like from that side of things. Uh, uh, more chaos and... This has very much been the year, I think, across the board for business in terms of, all right, we're going to throw even more shit against the wall than we normally do and see how much of that sticks. But it, it has. It's been absolutely crazy. I, I want to I pull back a little bit, and I want you to, one, give all of our, our listeners and viewers an idea of, of who you are, where you came from, and what yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay, so... Um, well, my name is Jonathan Troughton and I'm the CEO and one of the founders for Frameplay. Uh, Frameplay is an intrinsic advertising company uh, for video games. So basically what that means is I, I think that we've always had an issue with the terminology of in-game advertising because for the most part, it's 
in some vicinity of the game. It's not necessarily part of the world. And we very much took it literally intrinsic advertising in game advertising. It's part of the world. How do you incorporate really good advertising, quality creative, and actually embed it into part of the world so it doesn't have any disruption to your player. It's actually an additive experience. And from a developer's perspective, now you can start monetizing in a far better way, in a way that advertisers actually want to be associated to. You're able to produce data that's compliant to all these regulatory changes. And now you've got a monetization pathway that you can actually project. It's it's understandable. And at, you know, at the very end, it's not some pop-up video. It's not a banner you're accidentally touching with your thumb. And it's all in all, a much better experience. So that's intrinsic advertising. We can definitely jump into that somewhere else. Uh, but uh, my background and how I got here is actually, I think I mentioned this last time to you as well, Jay. It's actually um, its actually PUBG, uh, of all things. And uh, back when uh, they used to have the Rebel Can in 2017 and they had to remove it. That was the inspiration where we sort of got the core basis of the idea and uh, I guess you'd say, uh, the philosophy of how we wanted to approach advertising in games so we could do it and make it a lot better. Um, I guess my uh, my credibility in gaming goes back to when I was a child, where it's, whether it's the Nintendo Entertainment System or all the way uh, going into high school and hosting LAN parties and you, you get hold of a secondhand 10-100 switch and you get as many people as you can. And we actually used to max those out at 24 people because that's the biggest switches we could find or afford. And uh, yeah, we used to play games for two days straight and throw candy at each other. So I mean, from a game perspective, it, it went from that from the actual absolute love of it. It was embedded in my DNA. And uh, I guess you take that all the way through business and, and how you actually apply these the love of gaming into something in the industry and actually moving everybody forward and trying to do the right thing by the gamer, the right thing by the players, the, the studios. But at the end of the day, we also have to do the right thing by the advertisers because they are paying the bill. So, Yes, they, they do. And, and luckily, because it, <laughs> we frequently say, you don't get into this industry because you want to be rich, because that doesn't always happen. You do it because you love games. And yeah. if you don't, then you're you're not going to last. I mean, you're, we can all be, we can all be making more money doing something else. It just wouldn't be nearly as, as fun, you know? It's fun, so, it's fun exciting, and creating things, especially that's where it always comes back to. Like, I, I don't know how many times I've said this, the amount of time you spend, not even the mechanics of building a game, but just even the art and the feel like it's, it's really, you know, it's a it's a piece of art. You feel really connected to it. So that's why I've always said, like, monetization of these things is absolutely fundamental. You're going to have to do it at some point. But if you can do it in a way that isn't offending your, I guess, your vision of how you want to build a game, that that's what you should be doing. And that's what we're trying to really foster here is supporting that creative process. The I had a friend of mine ask me this morning. They said how do you keep from getting cynical in this industry after you've, you know, you've been doing it for so long and you've looked at all these different pitches and all this other stuff. And I was joking. I was like, I, I have no idea. I've been cynical for at least 18 of the 20 some years that I've been doing this, 
but my answer is to do you know more stuff like we did the AT&T unlock challenge you know this week and so if you aren't familiar with it if you missed us uh where i was uh, on screen with as my son said real streamers the you know <laughs> we, we sat down and and there were six finalists of, of indie games and companies that were created you know by women or by companies primarily you know owned by women and it, it's things like that and, and even just like going to our own events it's like whenever i get like cynical and i'm so done with this industry just going and seeing the cool shit that people are doing makes it better and a lot of people aren't going to want to admit this but advertising is part of that if it's done right now yeah, yeah if you stick a starbucks in, in world of warcraft that's just not gonna happen but you know if, if it's done correctly it can really add to stuff and so that's what i like about you know what you all are, are doing yeah it's funny like we were um you mentioned the at t thing i i did advertising week actually uh not too long ago and it, that was intense there was i had like six producers yelling at me because you're not there in person anymore so you, you're wearing these headphones and you can hear everyone talking while actually presenting really intense so i know i don't know how crazy that can be but i was going to say this like just even this week talking to a couple of studios when you're talking to people you get they get really 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 passionate about how they want to implement things what they want to build and everything and and you're sitting there going how do you balance some of this down like okay guys i love these ideas but let's just rem remember here you are a uh, a 15 person studio not a 200 person studio what you want to build is fantastic it's just going to take a minute so it's i think to your point earlier uh jay when you're around that kind of passion all the time it's very easy to be dragged back into it and um that's that's kind of it's the passion exactly like that that sort of drove us around how do you get this advertising done right and it's done right by not throwing in the web standards or the iab web standards in, into games like that, there's no place for that uh there needs to be new standards that's what we've been pushing we've been pushing a whole new standard of uh creative how it should look where it should go uh the way that creative is handled even when it's going to a mobile device where it's going to a, a pc or a console uh, we're really excited to be working with some major things that are going to be released uh, next year uh, on console as well. But the whole concept of that was none of this can ever come from the, the web standards. It needs to be developed as a whole new, uh, I guess, level of creative standard looks, feels, all this kind of thing. If you're going to be in console titles, if you're going to be in PC titles. Um, so if part of our job at the moment is really educating everybody and educating not just the indie studios on, on how they can do this to really support their their studio and their titles growing but also for the larger studios like educating them on why they should be uh, adopting this more everybody's moving the free to play uh or uh i guess you'd say different types of uh game styles and no one's paying 90 dollars for for a box anymore um, subscription services, yeah, I don't see that. Like, you don't play 40, 50 different games. You typically play one or two, and you might play them two years. So I'm not going to pay $1,500 for two years when I could pay 
if I was buying it outright, I could pay $60 and then I've got it for two years. The, the, the economics of that doesn't make sense. Like, also, let's try and not push Netflix into games. So um, you start thinking about monetization, especially around that. You've got IAP and you've got advertising. I don't want to see advertising done where it's like forcing me to watch a video. I really want it to be part of my environment. This is where it's like coming back to like, how do you support uh, the player in the end of the day as well? Like the player is the most important person here, like in all of this. Without the player, you're not going to be advertising anybody and there's going to be no money anyway. So So let's look at, before we get into like 2021, what we need to do, let's look at this last year. And so so with all all of this chaos, you know, what changed over the course of the last 12 months that and this is where we can also get into you know what are some of those ib you know basics that that aren't working anymore but what were some of the fundamental and and the biggest changes that you saw in the last 12 months and then we'll go from there well i think the big one that a lot of people probably aren't as concerned about as they probably should be this is the deprecation of the IDFAs and what is soon to come as the ADIDs. So for those who aren't familiar with those terms, uh, basically it's the identifying uh, device ID or something like this that comes from Apple or a uh, Android device, which then can then in turn link up to different advertising systems and it uh, creates, I guess you could say, like a profile map of how you behave and what you do online. Uh, in a very layman's terms, um, that being deprecated basically breaks the entire advertising ecosystem entirely. I mean, really, the monetization that is coming through a lot of these original standards forms of, um, I guess you would say, interstitial videos or banners, that's seriously at risk. Like, there is... At the moment, we, we're working with all of the companies in the background around how they're going to navigate it. We built a totally different way to actually address markets. We're not affected by this, but we're sitting here sometimes talking to groups because you know, you're being told by uh, advertisers, you, you need to talk to them. We'd like to bring on their data. And we talk to them like, so what's your plan for the deprecation of these IDs? And they're like, you know, we're working on it. We don't really have one. Yet. I'm like, we're sitting here thinking, oh my God, you're like six months away from going out of business. You really should be thinking about this. Now, the scary side of that is on the other side, which the game developers aren't being told. The massive publishers aren't being told what's happening here. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that publishers, and especially the larger ones, uh, and even some of the mid-sized and small ones, they are thinking about this. They are asking us the question, like. What do we what do we do when this happens? Uh, how are we going to change? Should we be looking at doing uh, level design differently? Should we be looking at monetization differently? Yeah, the answer is yes across the board. But like the the question is really uh, still out to the entire advertising industry. Like, what are you going to do that is actually compliant to regulatory changes? That's a big one. Uh, right now, you may or may not be aware Apple is pushing out uh, requests to a lot of publishers to to pass back what uh, privacy uh, elements are being conveyed through SDKs and third-party SDKs, and but also to the game. So, I mean, they're, they're digging in deeper and deeper. Now, people, I guess you come back to the question you originally asked is, how has this changed in 2020? 
Well, a lot has changed and it hasn't all been because of COVID, but all of these things are already in progress are really culminating now. And the, over 2020 and the, the chaos that COVID created hit pause and all of a sudden everybody's sort of going, oh, this might be a problem. In a <laughs> we might not be making any money unless we do something. And I got to admit, like, they're not moving as quick as they should be. Like you, as a developer, and you're looking at your monetization, and I heard, I'll quote something I heard this week from one of the studios we work with. Uh, and he said, I like working with you because I'm a father and I'm a mortgage payer, and you guys are consistent. That is probably going to be front of mind for a lot of developers. How are you going to pay the bills if it all of a sudden stops and you're only addressing it once it's been turned off? So, you know, this year has been a massive change when it, not just because of COVID, but because of regulatory compliance changes globally. Uh, it's been a big change in the way media is being bought uh, because uh, I guess a lot of the existing uh, channels, whether it's digital out of home or it's connected TV or it's sports events or whatever, they're having to reroute these budgets because they're not able to address those. And they're also realizing they might not have been as effective as they had originally anticipated. They didn't get the data, like the data that we provide to advertisers far exceeds any of these other channels. So all of a sudden game advertising, if done right, is definitely looking like a much hotter object for next year, 21. So I, I, I was I was talking to Indy. So we've already got some questions coming in here. Um, one from Aga, and I hope I got that right. Uh, it's difficult to reach top on the Play Stores, even if the game is good. Looking for some suggestions to reach more audience for small pocket studios. That's a very good question. Yeah. That is a good question. Um, yeah, look, I'm not going to go and say that the the Play Store or the App Store, in my opinion, is fair. And, and those things definitely get reviewed. Like, um, I had a, a similar question come up. I was on a call with a, a BD guys and they were saying, hey, look, we, we'd love to get some more UA going. We'd love to try and get in there. We're getting reviewed on how um, on how our gameplay mechanics sort of feel, what's the player experience. Like it's, in my opinion, it's definitely not fair, but I believe, and I, don't quote me on this, I believe from what we're seeing, uh, I would say that the App Store, Google, et cetera, they are actually really looking at the mechanics of the gameplay and how they perceive it and they're rating it differently as well. So I don't know what those those actual measurement um, elements would be. But obviously, as you know, and as you've probably seen with UA campaigns, uh, they're paying ridiculous amount of money to get up uh, on top of that list. Once they get up on top of that list, they're spending millions to be there. And the retention ratio might not even be past day one on a lot of them. So uh, I wouldn't always say UA is the best avenue to go down to, to get there. Like really it comes back to actually staying true uh, to what you're trying to build, uh, really building um, something that is sticky from like just a, I guess you'd say a um, 
organic growth perspective and have those elements that really hold the retention well within uh, players. And that's going to get you to go up the list. That, that's from my perspective. I mean, I'm definitely not an expert when it comes to climbing the list in the app store. I mean, there's some other people I can point you in the direction of that would be able to help you there. Um, end of the day, like, I guess throwing more money at it will get you higher up, but I don't think it's the best way, especially if you start looking at retention rates. And if you want to get past D180 uh, and you want to make something very sticky and you want to get drive the revenue from having them in there, it, it comes down to, I guess, building quality games as well. It's not just hacking something together. I mean, Jay, like you can speak to this. The, the passion and love that you have in this, like you really want to build something that's really cool. You want to keep adding little little features, better art, whatever it may be. And uh, when you do that, I don't know, like it, it takes time. It, it's not overnight. I mean, and that's actually segues straight into the next question. You know, hyper casual is dominating mobile industry. What's your opinion on which genre is entertaining gamers more? So what what should we be building? I mean, no pressure, Jonathan. Don't worry about it. Okay, <laughs> you know, this this is a good question. I would ask you to think of who plays your games. Hyper casual is, I would say, now being hyper hyped. Um, I don't know if it's as as dominant as you would suggest, or maybe the hyper casual now has reached the point where it needs to be broken down into subcategories and you understand where you're actually seeing uh, the majority of these player bases. So, um, you know, are people playing when they're going to work on the bus, uh, people playing when they're watching TV, like, God, I, I know, for instance, like I'm sitting here, uh, Victoria, my partner, she sits there all the time uh, playing games or watching TV. Like, I mean, I feel bad for connected TV because it's this is like such a you know predominant problem. People are actually playing games or watching TV. Now, what are they playing? Totally depends. And this is where it comes back. Like who I'll reframe the question. Who do you think is a valuable audience? Who do you think um, if you're going to monetize these games, whether it be IAP, whether it be advertising? Who do you think the audience is? And is the audience capable of buying something or are they worth advertising to? Because if they are capable of buying something or they're worth advertising to and they've got disposable income, uh, those profiles of players play certain games. And you can break this down. You can look at you know, uh, psychological profiling of who plays what types of games Therefore, how big is the market segment? How many people are going to play that? What does that typically convert to from a, a cost perspective? And then you can start to, like protracting or I guess uh, extrapolating that equation out and say, if I build a game like this, it should in theory suit these types of people and those types of people monetize via IAP or they monetize via advertising. If they monetize via advertising, they are a very desirable audience and they pay a lot higher to reach them. So, um, I don't know, that kind of went a bit off topic, but uh, hyper casual to me these days is no longer Candy Crush only. And, and that's what it was. I think really the definition of hyper casual was Tetris, uh, uh, anything like the Candy Crush kind of segmentation of games. But now it's definitely different things. It's whether you're playing 
a BMX game, whether you're playing Angry Birds, whether you're playing Boom Beach, whether you're playing a ton of different things, like whether it's golf or any, the way they're played, I, I think is going to sort of start eating away at what that definition of hypercasual is. I love the fact that we've got to the point in the industry that we have psychological profilers that will help you. <laughs> it's, hey, it's actually it's uh, crazy, but I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, like actually understanding like who and what, uh, who and who and where are playing these games. Like why, why do they do what they do? Where do they go? Where do they shop? Like actually understand who your audience is and what you're building for. I think, the days of just building something, building a game and be like, well, let's see what happens here. Like if, if you're building for passion and love, then build it however you want. If you, if these questions do feel a little bit monetization driven, if you're building to monetize and that's where you're going, you really have to know who you're selling to and who your players are. All right. So, so you, you want to ask this or I'll ask this next question here from Oblitus Games. Why not? This is talking about advertising in games. Why not just keep it simple and do the billboard way? Simple ads in city games and racing games. How we do that. We, we do that and we do that better than all. Uh, the technology we built around that, like we're first in class technology. We have uh, the total understanding of what's happening in these environments and we can convey that value to advertisers. That's the reason why we can charge more. Um, we do that better than any, but yeah, like I completely agree. I think there needs to be, and this is what when we're getting into really good conversations with developers and we're looking forward on the other elements that we can support and do for them. I always say, let's start with the basics. You need to learn how to walk before you can run. Um, so if you want to get to that, like, yeah, billboards, definitely hundred percent. I'll support that every day of the week. Well, I mean, that totally makes sense too, because yeah. like, you know, in, in movies you see like, Okay, we're watching um, American Horror Story, right? We're watching, that's what we're binge watching right now. And there's always somebody with an Apple laptop open. Bam, it's yeah. right there, you know? It's, if you want to think of that way, it's Apple, kind of, you know? well, it's, it's like product placement, billboards. I think, I think the saying billboards is maybe a little bit of a cheap shot at how it's being done now. Um, we really drive for creativity, uh, especially with advertisers. We are really asking them to step it up. This is no longer just a, a photo with Arial font. We want them to actually build creative. We have them build creative, whether it's cartoon stylized, whether it's photorealistic, and actually aligning to those environments and making sure that it's seamless and it, uh, from an experience perspective for the players. I mean, that that's what you have to do. Like, it, it wasn't simple to build these things, but... Um, when you come down to it, definitely billboards or have you wanted to find it like ad spaces inside the game, very solid step. It's not something that's going away. It's going to be there for a while, whether it's sports, racing, open world environments, uh, like shooters you can do. I got to admit like shooters from a advertiser perspective, if you want to, there's a concept called the Overton window and uh, the Overton window speaks to uh, acceptable uh, concepts, theories, practices even and where we are with shooters and advertising uh, is we're a little bit misaligned uh the majority of major advertisers which are spending you know in excess of six figures a month uh on with us anyway um they're not really going for shooters uh we have to be more more selective we have to be really 
defined uh, and finding the right, I guess, and this comes back to my original question, we have to really find the right audiences for the brands. You know, while we not, might not have some of, uh, you know, every Fortune 500 company wanting to go there, there's still a lot that want to go into uh, the shooter category, but it is uh, a little bit more refined. And we always like to give that guidance. All right, let's do this next question. Another question by Aga Khan. Any opinion on the Chinese gaming market and Asian gaming market? Asian gaming market is amazing. Um, some of the innovation you see there is really cool as well. It's actually crazy. Um, and now I, I, I'm very fortunate to be in a position where I guess to see a lot of cool new technology that's coming out that, that everybody else doesn't get to see for a while. Um, new games. I mean, this weekend I'm, I'm playtesting games that haven't, being released to anybody. Uh, it's, pretty, Where we get them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty cool position to be in. Um, yeah, look, uh, the Chinese market is, how do I say this? It's delicate on your entry. Let's put it that way. Um, I wouldn't just think in, in a cavalier manner, you can just run in there. There's, there's definitely more patrols. Huge value though. And if you navigate that correctly, there's, there's immense value to be had there. All right, here's a question from Mr. Dev, Dev's in the house. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if anyone can see it, but it's... Uh... It's, uh, it's fantastic. The lights are what make it for sure. Um, what what is your opinion on in gotcha games in the mobile market? And as example, they look for more successful in Eastern market like Japan. Do you think there's a trend that might grow here after Genshin Impact? To be honest, I'm not an expert on that. Um, I I probably don't know enough really to to speak to that. Um, what I have seen, though, and there's uh, actually a couple studios in the Bay Area, well, studios, I think they're really more like offices and extensions um, from, from the Asian region, trying to convert a lot of these games that are developed for prime, predominantly for APAC in Asia and actually convert them for Western consumption. Um, I think it's a little bit harder than people originally anticipated. It's not just hey, let's translate it to English and it'll work. There's, there's such deep-seated cultural differences uh, between game design uh, in predominantly in, in Asia and stepping outside of things like um, PUBG or um, uh, what's it called? Free Fire and all that kind of thing. I think that's like, from an FPS perspective, that's just an accepted play style globally. But uh, yeah, a lot of those games in that region don't necessarily translate that well to Western culture and vice versa. Uh, I mean, unless you're talking like soccer or something like this, and then, then it's global in nature. Wait, and, and Australian just referred to it as soccer. I'm just a little confused. Oh, yeah, so I'll probably be murdered after this because it's uh, it's clearly football. <laughs> uh, for anybody listening, that holy, we holy crap. in Western Europe, I meant football. And now be murdered in the U.S. <laughs> so, I mean, one, we've got like tons of questions coming in here, which is good. But I'm curious. I mean, so 
are there major trends? Are there major things that people need? I mean, because you are seeing stuff that's out there before the rest of us do. You know, that is one of the perks of being in this industry is we get to see cool stuff before a lot of people do. Yeah. If you're sitting down and you're a developer right now, you know, somewhere mid-tier, we're not talking about, you know, King or somebody like that who's got multi-billions to chunk into this stuff. What's your strategy for 2021? And, well, and this comes back to what I was saying before. Like, I think if you're an organization, let's put it, put it this way. If you are relying on revenue for uh, from your game, um, whether it be from venture capital, whether it be, like I said before, uh, you might be a parent and you have kids or a mortgage. If you have a reliance on revenue and you're not charging an upfront amount or you are even thinking about adding additional incremental revenue because that's that's the funny thing here. The way we are doing this, we have had comparisons next to our uh, ad creative being put in versus a game that was just paid upfront uh, and there's elements like in a sports game. You cannot tell the difference. There's absolutely no way you can tell the difference. So if the developer is not charging $60 but charging $20 or $30 for their game, then they want to add in incremental revenue. And if anything, they're only adding to the experience for the player. Why wouldn't you do it? The player's not going to be mad. The player's not even going to, in that instance, the player's not going to know. Yes, you have to disclose that you're doing it 100%. But provided you're creating a better experience, why wouldn't you do it? But back to the question, like, if you are relying on revenues uh, from these games, uh, you really have to think about how you're going to be monetizing at 21. Now, IAP is always going to have the the cloud of is this gambling are you allowing children to gamble I, i'm no expert at that but i know that there's definitely a lot of regulatory changes coming there that's going to change so advertising's always been a staple in every every corner of commerce globally advertising has always been cornerstone of these things it's not going away how it's done how data and privacy is handled uh, that's going to change. Data and privacy needed to be changed. It needed to be done right. It needed to be, I guess, the, the power of you being able to uh, have that that information shared should be in, in the power of not necessarily the groups that nobody can see, but maybe the publisher, maybe just the individual player. So that that's changing, and we definitely support that. Uh, but as a developer in a studio, you should be thinking, if I'm going to be using IAP, what's happening? How am I going to do it? What does that look like? If you're using advertising, look, uh, GDPR, CCPA, uh, the IDFA is going away. ADID hasn't been announced, but there's going to be changes there. Those are some serious changes with some serious ramifications. And you should be asking questions like, could we even look at uh, implementing different styles of advertising anyway now. Like, let's just level up. Let's go forward. Let's do something better for the players. Um, and, and while we're doing that, we're going to replace monetization systems. So right, you touched on something there that I want to draw attention to because I do think it's one of the biggest myths out there for developers. And you said if you've got IAPs in there that are enhancing player experience, the players aren't going to be mad. And you're dead right. And I think there is still the stigma with a lot of developers. It's like, oh my God, if I put any kind of in-app purchasing or ad 
in my game, then I'm just going to get flamed. Well, I know I done the research. I literally did a you know research for this for a client. If you as the developer are providing a value to the player, they they not only don't get mad, they want it. And so not overdoing it. I think I think in, in I, with all things in moderation is the is the real key here. Um, and it's the same thing we do with like when we're uh, working with studios and guidance on how they should be implementing ad spaces, where they should go, what they should look like. Are they are they dynamic and changing? Uh, like all of these different different elements, we sort of say like it's all in moderation. You can overdo it and have it a negative experience as well. Don't underdo it. Don't gonna make any revenue. There's, there's a balance. But even with IEP, don't ask have 10 prompts to buy something. <laughs> I mean, that is going to be, once I go, so, I'm like, okay, okay, guys. I'm not let, let me clarify. If you do it and you're not annoying the shit out of your player. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Look, the, the best way to look at it is, and you can boil it down to this, is it disruptive to the flow or the gameplay? Is it is it disrupting core loop mechanics? You know, you, you have one offer uh, for IAP, two offers for IAP at some point in the game. No, it's not. Same thing for us. Like, we, if you build the ad units into the environment, then they make sense and they're actually part of the environment and it's not affecting it, that's fine. But I'm also not going to put 100 ad units in, like, one little area of a map. That's disgusting. Like, I, we wouldn't even approve the game. To be honest, it, it, like we review these things and if people are having malicious practices and they're trying to do things that are wrong by the player, we don't even approve it. We, we say, then again, like we have never had anyone do that because we are very clear that our whole mission here is to actually provide uh, a really steady, sustainable revenue source uh, while maintaining the gameplay experience. So the same thing I'd say for IAP, like, don't put in 15 prompts like you wondering where your attention's going it's it's that sorry i just dan i'll let you get back to the question but i saw this from div coming <laughs> get to the mcdonald's save the coca-cola seller and you will defend him against the zombies until he gets to the uber car <laughs> yeah yeah that's a bit, yeah, yeah excellent that's that's, uh... going, that's going too far <laughs> exactly that like that's still going too far in my uh, opinion. You're starting to talk about gamification of advertising, and I don't—it's never a thing I thought would work. Um, there was actually a, an episode of Silicon Valley uh, where they used uh, what was it? It's like voice cues on the microphone to actually insert things in there. It was like a medieval village, and it had like travel and jets and everything flying around. I thought it was hilarious, but um, that's exactly the abomination I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> Oh, and apparently Carrie's watching now uh, because we're, we're getting recommendations or questions to ask for you. So, hi, hi, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, here's what she says. We just released a brand lift study from Comscore. <laughs> plus 46.4 points like the brand sponsorship of the games and plus 32 points fit as a sponsor. Uh, yes. What Carrie, a unique and an unexpected question. That is so strange. <laughs> It's strange that uh, that she's watching this. Okay, so what? Get back to work. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, I'm sitting here talking too much crap with you. Uh, rain it in, Jonathan. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, so I'll rain. You're the boss. Come on. I, look, I had a I had a flashy shirt, and I thought this would be okay. Um, look, 
Uh, we yeah, we we just did a uh, there was a, a very recent release of a, a brand lift study that we did uh, with Comscore, and unfortunately, we're not allowed to say who it was. Uh, but what we saw in this study basically was insane. We had um, it, it was a to to the point there. It was a forty six point lift uh, in brand appropriateness as a sponsor inside a game. The way it's delivered, how we were doing it, they would normally see a good lift would be between two and six points. We had forty six. We had double digits across the board. Um, let's suffice to say that the brand was very happy with how that performed um, and they'll be continuing to spend money in our platform and, and actually embracing our methodologies. But this is exactly, and actually the, a funnier point was, it was a 26 point lift on intent to purchase. Now, if you've got a, a massive increase on intent to purchase products and the way it's been delivered and their experience, you can imagine where this goes as a medium for spending money for advertising if it affects their bottom line. So good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. Let's, let's get back to user questions now, since we have this interruption into the, <laughs> you're the boss, Jonathan, you just say, Hey, okay, here we go. Uh, let's see. Oh, and another one from, uh, from Aga Khan looking for some suggestions for financial spending for small indie game dev studios, like from where the funds need to raise at starting phase and where to spend them in the initial phase. Interesting question. I feel like that's not a question that can be answered with the amount of time we have remaining. Um, look, funding, uh, I guess, raising venture uh, for games has always been interesting. I think you would be happy to know whether you're aware or not. Right now is a fantastic time uh, because there's a lot more attention coming onto games. If you have a really well thought out plan, you've got, et cetera, et cetera, every, everything lined up. Like right now is out of Jay, you probably, you're across a little bit of this as well right now for raising money or even coming up concepts around uh, new games, new game technology, supporting technologies for the game industry. This is, as good a time as ever next year for 21, I dare say is even going to be better. I'd say 21 is going to be phenomenal for gaming. I um, hear it both ways right now. Mm -hmm. I, I hear on one side, I hear investors are peeling back because mm -hmm. of the, you know, it's like they're peeling back because of the economy, but the economy is exploding and the game industry is exploding even faster than everything else. So I, I, mean, I, I do see it, but I see it, like I said, I see it both ways, but honestly, and this is like my selfish, I've been doing this for 20 some years opinion here. I think if you're not, if you're an investor and you're not looking to intelligently invest in this industry, you are out of your in mind right now yeah yeah then i mean year on year growth uh for games if i recall correctly uh was around 20 ish something percent prior to covid um next year the latest report i saw was they were expecting it to be more like 37 percent um that's a pretty big jump uh but I, I wouldn't say it's equally distributed. Money that's flying into this space right now is 100% not equally distributed. It's not like because you're in gaming, you're going to get money through. You know, I think venture capital as well has kind of lost its way 
uh, and the way it's done in the States. I mean, globally, really, like the States really leads how venture capital sort of, uh, I guess, flows. But there's been a fundamental shift, I think, in how it's done. Um, that's another topic. I'm not going to get into that right now. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, money for games, I think it now is obviously a dead time. You're not going to do anything uh, in December or January. This is not that's not true anymore. I don't think so, man. No one, look, anyone, anyone who finance, the second you hit that, what is it like the end of the second week of December? Like, good luck. You're not getting anything to the middle of. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you that side. It used to be the minute the first of November hit, the industry pretty much shut down. For two yeah, months. you go through a code freeze. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy, you know. No, that, but now it's you know in in terms of. Now, like I said, I'm not looking at like investment side, but in terms of, you know, publisher action and, you know, picking up new titles, looking at new titles, you know, it, it used to very much be, it's like, okay, listen, we're, we're going to cool down in December and we're going to reevaluate everything and we're going to start back up in January. But it, it's not the case on that side anymore. And especially since, you know, now we've got digital events going on. And there were so many, yes, I know I run a digital event, you know, right there behind me, but the, in October, there were so many of them that you could have literally gone to one every day and not gone to the same one twice. And so you see a lot of that momentum carrying on. Now, mm -hmm. if you're at contract phases, you're going to take a little longer to get through the law lawyers. Yes, because they're all on vacation too, but it's not a situation where the industry doesn't shut down like it used to anymore yeah. well yes and no i think this you've still got the supporting elements that like to your point the lawyers they're not going to be there um but i i think there's also a, another thing that's happening which is a massive consolidation of uh of holdings in the gaming industry at the moment so uh the bigger groups are really buying a lot of the smaller entities whether they be studios whether they be supporting technologies there's going to be a shift in the way that it's fundamentally done i'd say over the next 18 months just purely because of the consolidation um but yeah like i mean to your point uh with the way things are currently done remotely like we throughout this year we were we have multiple offices to begin with so we are already partially used to doing remote work in some form, even though each of the individual teams uh, were doing work in their own offices. Uh, so when we all had to you know, go work from home, it wasn't such a big deal. Um, I still think, depending on what you're doing, especially in the R&D space, being in office is far more beneficial. But uh, for the games sector specifically in this, um, the way it's being done uh, currently, like the work habits uh, have been have been affected a little bit as well by COVID. Uh, probably not as much as uh, other areas, though. So, going into twenty one, uh, and and if we tie this back to sorry that the original funding question, um, it will be the investors are looking for some key metrics that uh, that they typically would, but now I think they're a little bit more lenient because there's a bit of hype around the gaming industry and where it's going to go and now they're realizing how big it was and it's the re the surprising part is they're realizing it's not a 15 year old boy in a basement and they're realizing shocker that, yeah no, like, <laughs> like, they're only just working this out now 
it's uh, crazy how that is still 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 such a stigma. That I it's it's insane that we still hear that all the time. Uh, and we're like, mm, no, the average age is 34. And it's, and uh, it's huge equal. <laughs> if not, it's more. I mean, it's I, I had this rant yesterday with somebody, and it's like AOC was on Among Us last week with like six or seven other streamers. And the first time she did that, it was all over the news, and everybody's, you know, all the other politicians are jumping all over her because it's like, well. You could be doing something. Why do you spend so much time playing video games? <laughs> My wife's like, well, why do you spend so much time playing golf? But, you know, it's she's out there and, you know, I laugh and it's like, yeah, y'all can criticize her all you want. Whether you believe her politics or not, it's irrelevant. She's just live in front of millions of people talking, honestly, giving feedback, relating even going into how playing competitive League of Legends prepared her for the toxicity in Congress. And I'm like, you, this older generation, 60, 70, you know, yeah. 80-year-old congressmen don't get that our generation, you know, the generation that is now in their 50s, we grew up playing games. It's well, not, it's uh, not something evil. It's not something just for kids. No, but it sounds very much like to me she's reading the, the the data that's coming out from the ESA because I think off the top of my head, it's something like 70, 70 75% of, of people who play games intend to vote. Now, if you ask me, that's a really smart move because that's a, a, an authentic connection to voters and something that they can understand. I mean, God, look at the political landscape in the country at the moment. Like, trying to relate to somebody uh, that's that's speaking in that sort of position, pretty difficult for the average person. But if you're somebody sitting here playing the game that you play, you, you're building you're building connections and bonds that's very hard to dismiss. Yeah, I, I caught a bit. I didn't, I didn't watch all of it, but I, I watched her for a little bit. And the thing that stood out to me is she genuinely does play games you know which, which, it, it, that's because you get a lot of them that, that have realized this is like wow there's a lot of people playing this Fortnite thing let me let me talk about Fortnite, but they can't talk about it intelligently it's like you said they're reading bullet points oh, from the esa yeah you have to back up you say oh this yeah. is, like, i would anybody who has a question i've always had this like wish it's never happened but we've had this wish that someone questions my my authentic nature in games i'm like Come and play a game of Call of Duty with me. Come and play Command and Conquer. Anything, I dare you. Yeah, that, that's it. When she, when she was going into exactly which character she played in League and how she played them and why she got in trouble with the other team, and I was like, "All right, that's legit. That's not shit." You just like read <laughs> a summary. Yeah. Anyway, bottom line is, it's not just you know fifteen-year-old boys playing video games anymore. It's all of us. You know, yeah. that's the, and, and, but that it's one of the things that I always like to mention to developers, you know, sometimes developers get really wrapped around the axle on, you know, is there going to be a market for your, for my game? And the same this, is true this for is also like where it's coming back to before, like if you are going to rely on the monetization of a game and you are relying on, I, you should be doing this even if, if you're not relying on that, like who are you selling this to? Like, how much can a 15 year old kid afford like a hundred dollar game? So it's not them buying it. It's the parents. Like how, what is the, what's the mechanics of that? So if you translate that and you say, if we're going to be monetizing by advertising our IAP, 
what type of games do the people who can who actually are the audiences are of value who are either buying the IP or are of value to advertisers and who and where and what? I mean, this is things that we help uh, all of our clients with. So how do you actually address those audiences? Then what type of game am I building? What type of mechanics am I building into my game? Understand who you're selling this to or understand who you intend to play the game. Like if you are just making a game for the love of it, I absolutely support that. Uh, and if you don't have any desire to monetize through those methods, fine. That's totally fine. But I think what happens more often than not is most developers start out with the idea that they love and then they have an idea in back head, one day we'll make some money from this. <laughs> but they don't get to that down. They say build it and everything and they're like, okay, now we have to make money from this. How do we do it? It's like, well, there's a lot of things that don't align to the any of the avenues that you want to do. Like you want to use advertising, cool, but you built a game that has a very small player base that won't, uh, uh, not even a player base, but a very small like section of the market that may not be able to be marketed to. So advertising is not your solution. It might be IAP. Um, but that's to my point, like you really need to think about these things uh, as soon as possible. And that's why we really encourage when games are being designed and they are going to make them free to play which, you know, culturally most games are going to be free to play by, what, two years from now? It would be surprising to see games you have to pay up front for. Oh, um, no. Any no. More, more than $19, quote me on that, more than $19, if you were paying more than $19 two years from now for a game up front, I'll be surprised. Look, at, I, look don't, I, don't, I don't think you're going to get companies like take two and activision to pull to fully pull i mean take two's already said that they they don't believe subscriptions are a thing and i you know i don't 100 percent disagree uh, with that uh, but Call you're still so wrapped around the axle on sure not just premium but premium plus iap sure but go look at call of duty warzone and tell me where the majority of their revenue comes from uh, I, I haven't played that because I um, what? suck. I listen, one, their install was drastically too big. What do you two, mean? It's 200 gigabyte. What's wrong with that? Yes. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? I will be honest and I'll put this out here. I am running on a potato that's like five years old and I do desperately need a new machine. <laughs> I don't have 200 gig to drop on Warzone. So, I mean, tell me, where is their, where's their spending coming? It's coming from IP. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's like you see Fortnite and a lot of the other. You know, trust me, I know that part because my nine-year-old is like, "Dad, are you gonna get the battle pass?" Dad, Dad, there's this new skin I like have to have today, and I'm like, no. So, um, <laughs> but then again, they have the luxury of two thousand developers. So, yes, that's very true. Um, but I, I just, I don't know that we're going to completely get rid of premium yeah. because I agree. Yes. They are making a ton of money on it on, on there's an argument to be made there all the time, but I still, you know, how, how does, well, I was getting ready. I just shot down my own argument right there. I was going to say, how does Valhalla do that? But shit, there's IEP in that too. So, um, I mean, there's been a lot of chat in the, in the, I mean, a lot of chat in the chat about Genshin Impact, and that's one, and I'll admit, I haven't played it yet, but everything I hear, it's like free-to-play Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. That's crazy 
and I, if if you're able to monetize a game that big that open world that type of game that way yeah i mean i'm not going to argue we could be in for a paradigm shift but i also have seen this industry go through so many cycles where you know everybody jumps to one side of the boat and then somebody goes oh wait a minute hold on we can go back to the other side of the boat it's like i'm seeing publishers that are going back to retail now yeah and we thought retail was dead five years ago you know but yeah and look i'm not going to say it's all because of free to play that's going to make that shift i mean there's other influences in the market as well whether it be um you know stadia or uh subscription services that that you can just what is it x cloud all these kinds of things like yeah. there's other there's other things influencing this it isn't just the free-to-play uh pressure that's on them to remove these large upfronts but with all things um anything commerce if you can remove the barriers to entry which is for most that large amount up front you can get more people so you get more people and how do you monetize them all right. Well, let's 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 wrap it up with uh, we got one more question from Aga Khan right here. What are your thoughts on upcoming new consoles? VR, AR, mixed reality, PlayStation, Xbox, and the Omni console. Which one? <laughs> is future Omni consoles like PlayStation sixteen bit, um, whatever. I'll give you a very diplomatic answer because. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I work with in some capacity with several names there um but look as everybody is aware and i mean i know some people with sony at the moment anyone any employee at sony is probably literally the most important popular person on the block which you cannot get enough of the, of the actual devices and uh and you, there's, there's no playstations available so um look I, i'm not going to say which one's going either obviously uh, Sony has had a very good release. Um, but uh, I think with all things like this, you need competitors. Otherwise, you get stagnant and um, progress just kind of dies and you don't get any new developments. And I think the next-gen consoles are fantastic, but I definitely don't want to see it drop down to this being one player. You, you need you need Xbox. Uh, basically, like, Half of my friends who play Call of Duty, I play with them on Xbox uh, on crossplay. Um, but uh, yeah, you need, you need all of them, really. And I actually like to see some more coming up. But as you know, now speaking from a game developer side, the more the more delivery platforms you have, the more QA. It's a hassle. It's a hassle even for us. Like you know, we test every single thing we release every time we release a new. Um, a new SDK version or anything like it's going to be tested on every single device. You know, I don't want to see too many added. So it, it, it is, I mean, it's, and I think we're, we're getting to a point where there's enough differentiation in it because I mean, earlier in the year, I had a buddy of mine's like, which one are you going to get the PlayStation or the Xbox? And I'm like, I have no idea yet. Don't, don't ask me hard questions. And he's like, well, this one's got 14 more, teraflops started rattling off technical stuff and i was like and this guy used to work in the industry yeah and i said show me over i said these technical specs get thrown out every single console generation show me a game that came out at launch mm -hmm. that any of that shit mattered one iota because yeah. nobody knows how to optimize it and yeah. use the system to the best of its ability yeah. anyway and so one of the best analogies i've heard is you know 
the Xbox is the Netflix and Sony is the premium cinematic theater experience. And I get that part. Well, it's funny, like, I don't know how much time we got left, but there is very much different silos and camps where you could say um, people who play PlayStation don't go and buy Xboxes. People who play Xbox don't go and buy Playstations. There's a reason for that. Um, and they've been, either they've been raised with it and they're culturally, um, I have, you get the fanboy camps. You, you do, but they usually don't cross over. They, they stay in their own ecosystem. Uh-huh. Um, and the, the types of games don't necessarily come out on both platforms as well. So they obviously have a, a certain uh, pooling of, of uh, player base or people or, or audiences that see these things. And this is, again, where it comes back to my other comments around, like, if you're monetizing, you know, understand who your audience is in, in advertising. It's the same thing here. Like, with Xbox, PlayStation, we're already they're two different, totally different camps. Like if you want to reach that audience segment, you're going to have to do it on PlayStation. If you want to reach that one, you're probably going to have to do it on Xbox. Or maybe you can do both on PC, but at a limited uh, volume. And again, if you're using console, you know, you're only going to be reaching North America, Western Europe, and maybe Australia, New Zealand. The rest of the world typically plays on PC or mobile phone. So mm-hmm. how are you reaching these people? That's exactly, you do it from the advertising side. We do it from the, uh, I do it from marketing side. It's like, yeah, we we absolutely sit down with yeah. everybody from developers to media and say, okay, who do you yeah. want to hit? That's yeah. not only going to define your genre, but it's going to define your platform and yeah. your monetization model because it is. It's it's you, we are long past the I'm going to make a game and sell it on Steam. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's way beyond that at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we are <clears throat> running out of, out of out of time here a little bit. So, but Jonathan is in our Discord. So I don't know how long he'll be there today, but you can feel free to badger him with all kinds of questions. You know, once we go offline, and you can find us at Discord.gg/slash Indie Game Business. Uh, any any closing thoughts, Jonathan? You felt the animal. <laughs> Look, honestly, uh, no closing thoughts other than the fact that, you know, as, as Frameplay was made to support the uh, the developer community, whether you're big or small, um, you know, if you are looking at using monetization or advertising as monetization, we're more than happy just to talk and actually help you through understanding how it will be done and what can be expected. And it is, you, you have repeated what I say constantly. If, if if you want to make games as a hobby or as an art form, more power to you. We support you, do it, we'll help you. But if you want to make this your career and your real job, you've got to look at it as a business. And part of looking at it as a business is how you can, you know, holistically and ethically and, you know, integrate ads and solutions like this so it doesn't, you know, hamstring and piss off your players, but it also generates revenue for you, man. So I appreciate it, Jonathan. You're one of the great folks we can get on here and have an honest to God, serious conversation with. And it's not just, you know, you should do this. It's like, yeah, we appreciate well, it. Man. You still have to go and buy another hard drive so we can play some Call of Duty. I know, I do. It's on the list, you know. It's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get it Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I've been good enough for Santa to bring me anything. We'll, we'll find out. So, Indy, you want to yes, do what sir. you haven't done in a while? Run through all the cool stuff to know and then play us out. 
Oh, sure. Uh, so, yeah, check out our Discord, discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, facebook.com slash Indie Game Business and twitter.com slash Business Indie. And you can listen to all of our past podcasts. And there's, I don't even know how many there are now. It's Over crazy. 150 YouTube. And because th- I know this because we organized them this week. Oh, so, on YouTube. Right. So yeah. uh, we got uh, anchor.fm slash Indie Game Business and and the what's the if you just google indie yeah, game business. Well, it's youtube slash c slash indie game business or something like that but yeah seriously you can go there we're upgrading the upgrading we're redesigning the discord but if you want to know just simply about how to market your game we have an entire playlist full of it and soon you'll be able to like type you know whatever marketing in our discord and it will spit that playlist out for you so Oh, We're cool. working on quality of life improvements back here behind the scenes. And with blue backlighting, right? Yes. LEDs. I mean, I got I got this whole look at this, man. I got a big old fancy remote. I can make any kind of color I want to make. It's all good. All right. I'm high end now, baby. Up in, baby. All right. Excellent. So thank you so much, Jonathan. And thank you guys for hanging out. And oh yes. Hey, next week, starting on Tuesday, we've got the what is it? The indie game business online conference sessions. That's yes. that's sessions what winter twenty twenty. Go Session. check it out. I, I can't even like rattle through all the great speakers and, and talks that we've got, but I guarantee you we've got talks as you ain't heard anywhere else. Yeah, I'm they're... looking at it. There's 22 of them that's posted on Meet to Match right now. That's not even all of them. Okay. Well, that's why we have to go off the air because I have to put more of them in. Okay, <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to do that so, so I can start getting them up there because I got to get them all ready, all that stuff. Um, I have a bajillion things to do today. Yeah, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks again, Jonathan, and thanks, Carrie. (laughs) If you're there, get back to work. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.